How do you measure the output of your innovation? If you were to sit down with your boss once a year, uh, how would your boss say, hey, Ileana, we had a great year for innovation or we had a disappointing year for innovation? How do you measure that? There's a couple of things that we're looking at constantly. I think there's like definitely the known marketing metrics of like how much our brand is known, how what is what are the consumer saying about our product, um, and then you can like usually like find ways to like understand what does it look like for each of the different product categories that we're playing on right now. But I think fundamentally, in terms of measuring like like the output and of, of like that innovation, a lot of it it stems from is the most important to do for the company and the stakeholders and the consumer and what's not important and so if we've done what's most important i think like we can catalog it as success and if we've done things that are not important like we're always thinking about what do we need to learn from this to make the next year better this is c2c where we cover innovation in the food and cpg business from conception to consumption Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today, I'm excited to have as my guest, Ileana Pinilla Rael, who is Vice President of Research and Innovation at RX Bar. I'm sure you're all familiar with that brand. They've also been rebranded to Insurgent Brands. And Ileana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Gary. It's a pleasure to be part of this and excited um, to engage in this conversation. All right. Well, maybe you could start giving the listeners a little bit of your background and how you originally decided to get into the food and beverage industry and what led you to this path of your career, which ended up being quite exciting. So why don't you give folks that background? Sure. I, um, I've always been in love with food since I was a kid, and I actually was... Um, to a degree influenced uh, by my dad's upbringing of, you want to get X, Y, or Z for yourself, you gotta earn it. So I would always do bakes, like uh, during the holidays, I would do loaves of bread or anything that, you know, get my own allowance per se. And as I got older uh, during my high school years, my dad at that stage of his career became more involved in agriculture and I'm originally from Colombia, South America and in the outskirts of Bogota, the city that I'm from, uh, we had a little farm and he actually went back to school uh, and got his certification that was like late 90s, early 2000s in like organic agriculture and started doing a lot of like citrus type of organic agriculture and all this new way of growing food and I became more involved with it in the capacity of like I still needed to earn my allowance and selling some of this like mandarins and um, oranges and lemons and I think a part of me was start to be very curious about of like what would be the career to follow if I wanted to take this a step further and I got very heavily influenced on my dad's side of like engineering being it and all for anything. And so I went into uh, ag and bio engineering um, to start. 
And even before that, the conversations were, well, I, I really want more of the art and the culinary side of things. And I was almost like on my own, close to going to culinary school. And my parents were very much, you know, why don't you get your <laughs> classical, like bachelor's degree first and then go for that. And um, I liked engineering, but I fell in love uh, within a year or so with the department across the street, which was the food science department. And I didn't look back from there. And ever since um, then, I've been very much all things about food. So it's been a great journey, a journey of curiosity of like, um, you know, even through school, uh, trying to experiment with what would it be, uh, what it would, what would it look like being part of the, the quality, the operational side of things. So did an internship in that area, uh, curious about product development. So did an internship in that area. Um, and then going into deeper levels with graduate school, which allowed me to engage more of the practical side. That's as, as backwards as it sounds. I had the opportunity to work in a project with um, USAID at the time and that really connected more of like the impact that food has on people's livelihoods and the quality of their livelihoods. So I think that project uh, kind of well-rounded me on the, you know, importance of like what you're making, how you impact people with food and, uh, you know, the, that it may be just be a bar or a piece of bread or whatever, like, but you are at the end of the day impacting, you know, an experience for the person at the other end. Mm -hmm. um, consuming that product. So it was just like uh, a lot of it was all this, uh, what a passion for food and loving all that it involved and like having the curiosity and then just send it into like, how can you really make a difference through this career? I, I, uh, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and I see you had a internship in product development at Kellogg's early yeah. in your career. Was that, was that a breakthrough, really get your career started moment for you? I think it really opened my eyes into, um, you know, uh, adding both like the creative side, but also like what does it take to bring a product to market? And it was, at, of course, as, as at an intern level, but I, I'd say that that was, yeah, it was a meaningful experience. And and I've come full circle now being part of uh, the Kellogg company again through RX Bar. So, yeah. um, small world, great. right? Right. Yes. Yes. The industry is small. And it looks, it looks like, uh, back in that position, you worked on pop tarts. So that's a little bit different than what you're doing today yes. with RX Bar too. Correct. And I think, um, there were so many things that, I learned foundationally from a applied technical knowledge that I, you know, taken at different points in times during my career. Um, so, yeah, very completely different experience. Actually, that was an extension of what their original internship was, which was at the time they were they had a international team structured in their R and D team, and so. That was uh, my first experience with product development, more more so as in I was uh, supporting uh, one of the teams that was making product for uh, Latin America. And then after that, I, I was really uh, 
taken by like what, you know, what everything that they do within the Kellogg company. And at the time there was an opportunity of Pop-Tarts and I very curiously approached what would it look like for me to stay on a little bit longer to work on Pop-Tarts or work in, you know, at least product So just kind of having that learner mindset, like, I wasn't like a core consumer, but I was still curious of like, how does this happen? And um, just want to be knowing the whole um, nine yards Mm -hmm. from all different aspects, from the glamorous of like putting a product out to like the fundamental work that needs to happen to put put the best product out. And speaking of fundamental work, I see later in your career, you spent a number of years with Tate and Lyle. Uh, in mm-hmm. food science and technical services. So that really sounds like fundamental work. How did that experience prepare you for doing innovation work, which is what you're doing today at RX Bar? I think it opened me to the world of um, experimentation. And what I mean by that, uh, Taylor is a very much... Uh, Ingredient companies, they drive in these three different um, ingredient categories. But the way that that technical service team was structured uh, at the time was we would work with different regions of the U.S. in my, in my end. And so my region that I worked most was uh, the West Coast. So that must, that must have been quite a, a change for you, even though you were working with novel ingredients at Tate & Lyle. You're still working on the technology aspects of things, and then you go to RX Bar, and your entire career there has been in research and innovation. And so, was that a difficult jump for you? I think if you ask Eliana of maybe three, four years before, I think it would have been hard, just because um, I want to say that the amount of change in a good way that I experienced, like the diversity of projects and categories that I got work that I got to work on while I was at Tin and Lyle, I think it prepares, prepared me to a degree to the amount of like, how much do I need to be knowing at a certain time? Uh, And in this case, it wasn't as much across categories, but across like, what are the things that I need to like either figure out through people within my network of uh, ingredient uh, suppliers or the contract manufacturer to make this happen for RX. So it was the same kind of uh, mindset that I had to exercise of like what, how can I figure this out with the resources that I have at this time? And I think that Tate & Lyle was definitely an education that set me up in, in, in terms of like ways of figuring out problems because I didn't, I had people at Tate and Lyle or consumers or sorry, customers at Tate and Lyle that were in categories that I've never worked before, but I had to uh, connect with the right experts internally at Tate and Lyle at times, learn the essentials of like, well, what does this category do? And what does this, what is this uh, customer looking to get done with this ingredient and I had to kind of apply that same transfer that mindset to how I thought about our expire like what does what needs to be done 
and what are the resources that I that I need for that. So I, I became it became more of like a kind of subconscious habit at that point. But I think if you would have said Eliana of uh, 2012, like do this, it would have been. I, I would figure it out, but it probably would have been terrifying <laughs> at the time. So RX was the ultimate clean label, right? When they came out, uh, you know, they would say uh, so many dates, so many almonds, no BS, right? Is that, are, are you using that same methodology in, as you innovate on the savory side at Insurgent Brands? The short answer is less about that specific proposition and more about how can we the same notion of challenging the status quo i think in a way uh how can we challenge the paradox of like the only way that you can make things taste good is if it has or if it's made with this or if it's done this way and just kind of like proving to ourselves like well there's a better way and we're gonna embark on that and also and more importantly like is that what the most important thing for the consumer is or this consumer that would be interested in this product like is that the most important thing for them the industry mm-hmm. and so you know breaking the mold as you say is that part of the reason for the rebranding from rx bar to insurgent brands is that part of the part of the message that you want to get out there to consumers for us is to say that we know that there's no one trick pony for all the things that people are looking to solve on their day to day from like a food perspective. So we want to recognize that RX Bar can only do so much for, um, you know, people that are looking for clean label. It may not fit for the next person that, you know, has not, doesn't have like a texture or an ingredient preference. You know, we we understand that it doesn't, you know, do or solve for everything. So I think that more than breaking the mold is like, it's more of a recognition is like, there's a lot of things out there that require attention. And like, we'd like to take, um, you know, an approach and see what we can with the same mindset of like, how can we think about this problem or this situation differently? How would that look like in a food product? Yeah. So what's, what sort of mindsets uh, have you seen out there that, that you believe work well for innovation? You mentioned keeping an eye on other companies in the marketplace. What, uh, what, do, you think the, what do you think the qualities or talents are out there of the right mindset for innovation? For me, the right mindset for innovation is the disposition to be a learner. I think that's very much attached with that humility. So it's knowing that you don't know everything. And I think having that like learning disposition just kind of built into, you know, being open to stand corrected and um, doing right by the customer and the company. And I think all the, the those mindsets stem from like your ability to continuously learn and question. Mm-hmm. Have a, have a, um, have a curious mind, so to speak. 
Yes. So I, the way that I talked about it uh, recently um, during Food Evolution was having that three things, courageous curiosity, um, humility, and that consumer-centric approach, that em- empathetic like product design. Mm-hmm. So you've talked about the mentality that you need, you believe, for innovation, being a, a learner, bringing humility to it, focusing on the consumers. How, how do you measure the output of your innovation? If you were to sit down with your boss once a year, uh, how would your boss say, hey, Eliana, we had a great year for innovation or we had a disappointing year for innovation? How do you measure that? There's a couple of things that we're looking at constantly. I think there's like definitely the known marketing metrics of like how much our brand is known, how what is what are the consumer saying about our product, um, and then you can like usually like find ways to like understand what does it look like for each of the different product categories that we're playing on right now. But I think fundamentally, in terms of measuring like like the output and of, of like that innovation, a lot of it, it stems from is the most important to do for the company and the stakeholders and the consumer and what's not important. And so if we've done what's most important, I think like we can catalog it as success. And if we've done things that are not important, like we're always thinking about what do we need to learn from this to make the next year better. And in practice, what that looks like is we've taken uh, very essential parts of your gold standard, like stage gate process and created ways of working internally that align with the size of the business that we are right now that uh, provide the broader team, not only within research and innovation, but the broader company in alignment on what do we need to focus, what's important for us to be successful successful and create the impact that we want uh, through our brand and our consumers, how they see our product, different parts. If the consumers are happy with a new product and they're buying a lot of it, it was a good year for innovation. Yes, that's a way of, of looking at That's a very like straightforward way of, of looking at it. I'm here with uh, Eliana Pania-Rayal, uh, VP of Research and Innovation at RxBar, now rebranded to Insurgent Brands. Eliana, what, what do you, where do you see the macro trends for innovation going in the next 10 years in the food and beverage industry? I think a lot of the conversation right now is on there's always going to be those fads and trends of, you know, from a health halo perspective. But I think on the way that we do it or how we do it is going to be become more of a concern to the consumer. And there's been a lot of conversation about clean label and and GMO or non-GMO, but I think it's going to come as more holistically as sustainability. So how are we thinking of all the people and the resources that go into making that food product from the food itself to the packaging? So like that's, there's a slow rumble on that from different companies just coming up with like their own version within their brand that is very much oriented towards that. And I think that's going to be like gain momentum 
I think the moment when we're going to see that tipping into the mass situation or mass case, I see it more of as a product of how two things change. Life expectancy, people are definitely living longer than what they were a hundred years ago. And then the second thing, uh, how much uh, population density is accumulating on the cities. So how are we gonna be better at working, uh, defining that um, resource aspect? Where are, are we making the product? Where are the ingredients coming from? And then how are we gonna still like expand those health benefits from where we are right now? Cause it's always cycles between like lower sugar, lower carbs, lower sugar, lower fat, lower carbs. Like it always cycles. It's been kind of like in and out every so many years. I saw a presentation about a year ago by, uh, by your founder, Peter Rahal, and uh, he told the story of why he launched the company. And it, as I recall, the way he told it is he, he was a big biker and he was going out for long bike rides and needing to, you know, replenish energy. And so the way he told the story, he would go to the store and look at the snack bars that were out there and not find anything that appealed to him. And he asked himself a simple question, and this is how he told the story, and I'm going to use a bad word because he did. And he said, I looked at all these bars on the uh, store shelf, and I asked myself a simple mm-hmm. question. Why do they all contain <laughs> And so yeah. He, yeah. his timing was perfect, right? Because yeah. nobody had asked that question, but yet there was all this pent-up demand where consumers were saying, yeah, I would buy a bar that is very clean label and doesn't have all these chemicals I can't pronounce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that's ex- exactly it. So I think there's a delicate balance. Like in his case, he was like the consumer, right? And I think right now we're in that journey of like, how can we get, as consumers get closer, but not too like blindsided, if you know what I mean. I think that's usually the challenge that we're not too close to it to like call BS on it too, to like question ourselves. So I think that it's a delicate balance. And I think he had the beautiful advantage of him being the consumer and like um, just having that vision of what kind of product he wanted to see more of in the market. Mm-hmm. So you, you recently gave a presentation at the Food Evolution Summit and you spoke about how insurgent brands takes uh, a problem-solving approach to innovation. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more of that thought process? We adopt a lot of that thought process that our founders had when they were not only making the bar, but also finding venues to sell the product and uh, identifying consumers. So how does that look like today? How do we keep ourselves within that headspace of, is this a consumer problem to solve? We have a great connection with our consumer uh, insights and our consumer experience team. So we're constantly uh, understanding and getting a good sense of like, what are our um, consumers saying about our products? 
from a macro standpoint at an insights level, like what's the performance of the product and market and what is, what is it competing against to the consumer experience, people calling in and telling us what's great and not so great about our products. And then on the other side of the equation is um, having a connection with our social media, so understanding what people are saying about our products, partnering with marketing to better understand how can we engage more with our consumers at a digital level to understand what do they think about our product and what they think could be better. Any aha moments on social media or, or, or interesting learnings that you've had working with uh, social media and consumers for that translate into innovation? I think the most um, really interesting uh, idea was around like flavor extensions. So I think I'm personally like the kind of person that I'm always almost on a weekly basis looking at like, okay, what did we post in our Instagram or like even daily because I follow them. So I get to like, I look at the consumer comments and I think um, just seeing what people, uh, sometimes we, we would post questions like, what's your favorite fall flavor? What's your favorite, you know, season of the year? And like, why, like we ask trying to engage our consumers. So I get to see like a lot of these questions and it's in a way it's been a piece of validation, not the whole thing, but like, of course we're looking at this other aspect that I mentioned before, but a piece of validation that like, okay, we're going down this right path. That's a great example of social media for flavor extensions and ideas from consumers on that. So Eliana, before we go into wrap up, any other uh, thoughts on innovation that you'd like to share with our listeners? The one final thought that it's been brought about from like, you know, being here the last four years or so, it's um, strong opinions held loosely and not holding things too close to your heart in the sense that like have the ability to challenge your beliefs and it just makes you a better innovator and a better collaborator because I think that there is something to be said about like great ideas don't happen in a silo and the more open that you are about what is or isn't you know challenging your own beliefs um, the stronger your proposition becomes for the consumer mm-hmm. i guess that goes back to one of the three legs of uh, of your innovation philosophy there which is humility don't uh, don't hold on to an idea too long yeah so i think it's i think like that's the most important one like be have the ability to like challenge your beliefs and i think it was it this comes from i think the best way that i i've seen it it was a food evolution documentary that was done by ift and i want to say one of the journalists asked the key question to the people that were interviewed in throughout that documentary. It's like, what, when was the last time that you changed your mind on something? And it's a hard thing to do. So I think like thinking about it in the way, like you don't have to like 100% like 180 on everything, but like have the ability to like look at the other um, end of the equation 
Right, right. Well, I want to thank our guest today, Ileana Pinilla Rial, who is VP of Research and Innovation at RxBar, now rebranded to Insurgent Brands and recently acquired by Kellogg's. Ileana, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Gary, for having me. I look forward to more conversations in the future. Thanks for listening to C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Just type the letters C-T-O-C, no spaces, to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and Google Play. This podcast is produced for informational purposes and does not constitute any scientific, legal, or medical advice. The views and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are those of the guest alone and do not necessarily reflect the opinions and positions of the host or any other entity or organization. Listeners are encouraged to listen with an open mind and form opinions of their own.